Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for the blessing and gift of this opportunity to worship you together. Thank you, Lord, for your love and mercy in bringing us to this place, Lord God. And we pray that as we gather around your gospel, Lord, that you would speak to us, prepare our hearts and our minds to hear you, to receive you, and be transformed by you. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would breathe into us, Lord. Pray that you would put your words in our mouths and help us to be faithful in proclaiming them. And we pray for a profound encounter with you today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Morning! It is great to see you all today. Well, yesterday I was up in the big city. I was up in Quincy. And uh, I was up there for a diocesan meet or a deanery meeting up there. Uh, and I was there with a friend, someone who had spent some time there growing up. And for him, the city had special significance. Each little neighborhood, many of the houses, many of the corners, he could say who had lived there, who he had visited there, where his best friends lived, where the restaurants used to be, those kind of things. You know, and when you see a town through somebody else's eyes, it's really a neat thing, isn't it? You probably have a place in your life where you can look back and say, ah, that's the place. If I were to take somebody, I could show them around and show them where everything used to be and how it used to be and how it was for me. You know, the place, I got shown the place where the lady froze to death, things like that, right? Those are all exciting details you don't get necessarily on a guidebook, right? Um, Really a fascinating time seeing a city through someone else's eyes. And that city had special significance because of it. In our gospel passage for today, we have a city that has special significance as well. It's the city of Jericho. Uh, Jericho is a fascinating place for many reasons. One of the reasons is because it's one of the oldest inhabited cities in the world. Right? The archaeologists have dug down and find civilizations going back for just thousands and thousands of years. The first time we hear of it in the Bible is when it's being overthrown by the Israelites under the command of Joshua at the conquest of the Promised Land. You guys know the story, right? Okay, so they're, they're there, and they're going to attack the city. And so what's their plan? Run around it several times. Run around it several times, right? So walk around the city and do what? Shout and blow the horns, right? And then what happens to the walls? They come a-tumbling down, right? You guys know the song. Right, this remarkable, tangible, visible sign that God was with the Israelites, that he was the one fighting on their behalf. It wasn't because of them, because, I mean, I don't know if we've tried trumpet victory since then, but it's not a common thing, right? If it was a common thing, it wouldn't be a sign that God is really powerfully working through this miraculous event. But here we see God doing it for the Israelites. Uh, There's two other mentions of Jericho that shouldn't slip by us. One is really just talking about the road to Jericho, the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. And that is where the parable of the Good Samaritan takes place, right? You know that one where the the man is beaten and left for dead, and then um, the Levite and the priest pass by, but who stops? Samaritan, right? The Samaritan stops and helps the man and takes him to a place of safety. The third event is where a very short tax collector, he didn't collect short taxes, he was actually short in stature, um, named Zacchaeus, climbs up a sycamore fig tree to do what? To see Jesus, right? To get a better look, to see Jesus. 
And in that desire to see him, he actually does. And who sees Zacchaeus? Jesus sees Zacchaeus. He says, come on down, Zacchaeus. I'm going to your house today. Right? And then they go, and Zacchaeus' life is transformed. In our gospel passage for Mark, Jesus is again in this city, Jericho. He's on his way out, actually, in our account. He and his disciples, they're in this big crowd of people, and they're on their way to the triumphal entry. That's what we have next in the Gospel of Mark, is Jesus entering Jerusalem to much fanfare. But before that event, we have our event. Jesus and this group of people are fired up, right? They are fired up because this is awesome, right? They... Jesus is doing amazing things. He is on his way to Jerusalem. Great things are coming. He's surely going to be a king there. And life is going to be good. And we're going to all be stoked. And the Romans will obviously be kicked out of the promised land. Right? Everything is going to be perfect. And they're on their way on this victory celebration. And then somebody messes it up. Right? Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, begins hollering. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Have you ever been on your way out the door with a group of people? Right? Maybe it's you and your kids, you and your family. You're on your way out the door, about to get in the car, and then somebody's like, oh, I forgot. I've got to go do something back at home, right? And everyone's just like, does that never happen to you guys? Maybe I'm just unique, but this happens to me a lot, right? Right? On your way out, you're ready to go, you've got your mindset on where you're going, and then suddenly somebody has something to do at the house, and you've got to wait. You've got to wait. That's the same kind of event that takes place. Jesus and his disciples, they are moving out, and then the road trip suddenly has to stop. Because this guy is hollering. And so his disciples, they don't want to stop, right? They're on their way, they're all fired up. They're like looking for palm branches and all that kind of, right? They're excited about what's going to happen. And so they try to keep Bartimaeus silent. And so they say, like, cut out, be quiet. Don't distract him. He's got important things to do. Don't distract him with your little (coughs) care and concern. He's got bigger things to deal with than you and your blindness. But what does this do to Bartimaeus? Makes him yell louder. Fortunately, Bartimaeus is not the kind of person who's like, oh gosh, I'm sorry. Right? I'm sorry. Shh, don't, don't let me disturb you. No, instead, this is like pouring uh, gasoline on the fire because he just yells even louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. And who hears him? Jesus hears him. Jesus hears him hollering. And he stops. He stands still. And he tells the blind man to come to him. I find this an interesting reaction. Because, you know, blind people share one trait in common. And what is that trait? They're blind, blind, right? They can't see. Right? And so this is a very, this is an interesting thing that he has this man come to him. Right? And for us, it would seem easier for the sighted person to go to him. But for some reason, Jesus asks him to come. And so the disciples who are standing around him say, take heart. Get up, he's calling you. And what does Bartimaeus do? Throws off his cloak, springs up, and hauls over to Jesus. Nothing's going to get between him and Jesus Christ. Now Jesus asks him this fascinating question. He says, what do you want me to do for you? 
Right? Because at this point, Bartimaeus hadn't been asking for anything specifically. He had been saying, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. So Jesus is asking, how can I help you? What would you like me to do for you? The man responds, but he wants to see. And so he says, my teacher, let me see again. Immediately, Jesus replies, go, your faith has made you well. And his eyesight returns. But he doesn't go, does he? What does he do? He follows, right? He follows. You see, the reality with Bartimaeus is that while his eyes might not have been able to see, was he blind? No. He knew. He knew with his heart that Jesus was someone, was God, and he needed to be with him. He knew that this was a significant moment, and he could not let it pass. He knew that his life hinged on this encounter with Jesus Christ. And so when he heard that Jesus was walking by, he cried out for mercy. He cried out. He put his hope in a Savior and was healed. Now, like the good Samaritan who stopped to help the man on the side of the road, Jesus was revealing that he was the true good Samaritan, the one who stopped to save and to heal. Like the initial conquest of Jericho, Jesus was showing that he was both the human leader like Joshua and also God as well, who threw down the walls and led the people to freedom. And like the earlier event with the tax collector named Zacchaeus, Jesus was showing that he was the one to turn to in faith. Today as we read this account from Mark, how do we respond to it? Do we feel blind and in need of healing, like Bartimaeus? Do we feel empty and in need of filling? Are we yearning for deeper relationship with Jesus Christ? Then like Bartimaeus, let us cry out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Perhaps, though, today, you find yourself wondering who Jesus Christ is and what it means to be his disciple. The advice is the same. Call out to him. Call out to him for his mercy and his love. He will respond. He will reveal himself to you. He will show himself to you so that you can believe. Now there's another group in this account that we only briefly spoke of. And that's the followers of Jesus. Because they were initially an impediment to Bartimaeus coming to Jesus Christ. And then ultimately they helped facilitate the move once they knew it was okay. Unfortunately though, this too often is true of the followers of Christ today. That we stand in the way of others coming to him. Let's repent of this. Let's repent of our hardness of heart towards other, towards others. Let's repent of our desire to keep Jesus just to ourselves. And by the grace of God, may he make us able and willing to invite others into relationship and healing in Jesus Christ. Now Jericho was a significant place as we've talked about during this sermon. A place where many events of consequence took place. But really it was not that location that was significant. It was the person who was working in and behind and through those situations. 
who is Jesus Christ. Because behind, behind all those events, Jesus was active. He was tumbling the walls, healing the blind, delivering the sinner, rescuing the hopeless. That was all the work of Jesus Christ. And is he done with that work today? No. You can see his fingerprints in our lives. If you look, if you look in each other's lives, we can see the fingerprints of God. Jesus reaching out, touching, healing, delivering, loving. Today, may the Lord Jesus bring us to a place where we receive him, are transformed by him, and open the doors to others that they might receive the same and be his disciples as well. And may our eyes be open to see the fingerprints of Christ in the lives of others. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that you are the God who intervenes, the God who heals, the God who delivers, the God who tears down the walls. Lord God, we pray that you would help us to put our trust in you. We confess to you that we are not people who trust easily, Lord God, and that we ourselves are not trustworthy. And Lord, we pray that you would lead us to a deeper faith in you. Help us to believe that you are the one, that you are the Son of God. And we pray, Lord God, that you would set us free so that we can love, so that we can serve, so that we can reach out to others and invite them into relationship with you. And we pray, Lord God, that you would help us to be mindful of the way that you are working in the lives of others. May we encourage that work. And we pray for your blessing and grace and peace in our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.